Welcome to the Perky Collar Radio Show, where we talk to entrepreneurs from across the globe to learn why they started their company, what mistakes they've made, what they learned from those mistakes, and they all share an incredible success story. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Perky Collar Radio Show. I'm your host, David M. Frankel. Today, I have a very special guest, Gil Barlev. And he's the founder and CEO of Homeroots. Good afternoon, Gil. How are you today, sir? Hey, how are you, David? Good afternoon. I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for asking, and thanks for being on the show. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Well, I always like to kick off the show with the why. Why did you start Homeroots? Well, the story is that, um, and just to explain what Homeroots is, right, so people understand the context, but Homeroots is a B2B selling platform that enables manufacturers of furniture and decor from all over the world, uh, enable them with an access to the US market, right? Leveraging our technology and logistical uh, superiorities, right? So what made me want to start Homeroots was the fact that, uh, you know, most of my career are spent in the direct-to-consumer e-commerce space, right? Um, and a, year, a few years back, I was, uh, I was looking to help different retailers and sorry, helping different brands sell online. And I was looking to start up a new business where, um, you know, we're going to help sell in wholesale. And I was looking for a platform, right, that enables brands to sell wholesale, like a digital platform, not just, uh, you know, physical one. And despite having a lot of offers and possibilities uh, in the direct-to-consumer world, like the different marketplaces such as Amazon or eBay or Etsy at some point, um, or Shopify, or WooCommerce, there's a lot of e-commerce systems. I couldn't find any system on the B2B side, on the wholesale side. So I decided, okay, let me uh, let me get into that space. And then I picked the furniture space is because in opposed to many other industries, not saying all the industries, but many others, um, if you get an item as a consumer, if you get an item that you don't like uh, or you got the wrong product, it's not just a product you can go to the post office or UPS or FedEx store and just return it back or reject it. This is, you're stuck with the sofa or the dining table that you just got in your home, right? It's not an easy way to dispose them. So because of that, because of that challenge uh, and the lack of trust, lack of trust buying things that you don't really touch first, um, those are the things that made me want to start Home Roots um, and the rest of his, is history. So walk me through a little bit, Gil, as to who you sell to. Like in the Charlotte market, for example, where I'm located, do you sell to major furniture stores or who do you sell to? I mean, maybe you don't sell to anybody in Charlotte. I don't know. But just give me an example of a relationship that you began or you started and the variety of furniture that you offer. Yeah, so we do have customers in Charlotte area. But um, basically our, um, our motive is that we sell to any business. Right? So we sell to some of the bigger guys out there in the industry. Uh, so we shall sell to Ashley's Furniture, we sell to Bob's, we sell to Home Depot, Lowe's, Wayfair, and the list just goes on. But then it goes down to some uh, furniture uh, chain stores. We have e-commerce companies. I mentioned Wayfair, we have Overstock, we have House, and many others that we're selling. But down to property managers, home stagers, designers, architects group, and every business. Listen, we have spas that buys from us, uh, nurseries, uh, beauty salons, you name it. Any business could buy from Hogwarts. 
Interesting. So is there a certain type of furniture you specialize in or is it across the board? Say that we're more in a home furnishing uh, type of a space, meaning we don't do the um, heavy office furniture layout, well, meaning the, uh, you know, all those different desks that you usually see in traditional offices. Well, we may sell office desks, but more like a home type of an uh, office arrangement, right? When you work from home and you build up your own room as an office. So we have the furniture for that, but in a real, real office, you know, in a building, uh, we don't have that, uh, not yet, please. We don't have the furniture for that type of uh, arrangements, but everything else we got, whether that's indoors or outdoors. So as a business owner, and most of my listeners are business owners, could they order directly from you? Yes, they can. They just Excellent. need to register on our site. Um, it's a click, very one click uh, registration. You just need to put in their information. You need to create a username and password, and then they get access. Um, and that's it. Uh, it's very simple. Um, we just, you know, we're just, uh, since we're B2B, we just need to make sure that um, whoever registered on the site is a real business. Uh, but once they put in their information and it's validated, then they get immediate access and we're all good. So it doesn't have to be for resale. It could be for personal use. Correct. Yes. For your business, obviously. Yeah. So all my yeah. business owners, just their ears just picked up. They're <laughs> excited. Course, yeah. Like what? I can get furniture from my home office or furniture from my business at wholesale pricing? Yes. Please, no, continue. That's, <laughs> exactly the point. That's exactly the point. Listen, I mean... It's no secret. There are furniture um, shows out there, right? And any business can register to those shows or, you know, those directories and try to do business with those um, wholesalers, right? But the average wholesaler, or most of them, you know, they'll never open up an account, right? Because it's not like, a, it's, it's not like the giants of the world, right? So they're never going to open up an account. And that's also one of you asked me earlier, what's the reason? I want to make sure that furniture is accessible to business, to businesses at wholesale prices. In my opinion, the way that my, the way that I look at things, businesses should not pay the same price as customers, as end consumers. And this is, this is what we're doing for our business customers at Homewoods. So I know all my listeners are saying, well, get to the website. I want to know where I can look it up right now. I don't have to wait. <laughs> all right, of course. So, Gil, go ahead and give them the, the website so they don't have to go crazy listening to the, the whole interview just so they can hear the website you offer. Benefit early on. Yeah, yeah. No, so so the website is www.homeroots.co. It's C-O at the end. It's not a .com. There's no M. But, again, it's homeroots.co, H-O-M-E-R-O-O-T-S dot C-O. And if somebody want to register right away, obviously at the top, um, probably you will see an account, and then it's register. That's at the top of the screen. But just a shortcut page is again homeless.co and then forward slash, and it will be register. Once you get to that web page, you'll see the screen itself. The form is very straightforward stuff. There's nothing over complicated. You don't need to upload any financials, or you don't need to upload any long. Um, you know, credit uh, applications and explain your business. It's nothing. We don't care about any of these things. Your business, you're welcome. That's it. Make it simple. All of our ears. You realize it, right? Yes. 
should be simple. Everything should be simple. And I would think with COVID over the last couple of years, your business had to boom because more people were working from home and more people had, you know, home offices and they wanted to upgrade versus the the office equipment they had, office furniture they had. Did you see a boost during COVID or did you see what kind of fluctuation did you see during that time? So we definitely see we we saw a boost, but we continue to see a boost. Okay, for us as a company, just because the way we run things, which is different. And we can talk more about what's happening right now in our industry. But obviously, yeah, there was a major boost. You know, uh, people stayed at home. People bought the furniture space uh, vertical as a whole um, saw a major increase in in, uh, in sales just because, like you said, people stayed more at home. Our, our specialty is home furnishing. Uh, people wanted a nicer working area. Or suddenly they spend more time in their living room and decided, okay, I don't like this sectional or sofa, or I don't like this dining chair or dining table, dining set, whatever it is. I want to refurnish um, my space. So we saw a major boost, uh, and the whole industry did. And so it definitely helped us. It helped make more of the awareness of uh, of our platform altogether. Right. Yeah. So tell me when it started. When did Home Roots begin? What year? So we really started as Home Roots late 2018. 2019? A 18. Oh, 18. Okay. 18. It's Very good. A year before uh, COVID really started bursting out there. Sure. So that leads me to my next question, which is over the last four years, what mistakes have you made in growing and scaling the business that you could share with the audience? Wow. Uh, and then maybe I would admit I had. I had so so I'll tell you what mistakes that um, that can happen. One, you hire the wrong people to help you out. That can be one mistake, right? Um, and it takes time to find. Right when when you start a business, and it's not that easy, right? You can say, "What? Well, you can interview them more. You can find your fit." And but the the thing is like that is the the business, especially as a, as a as a young business, right? It's very nimble. Changes the the industry is dynamic. The um, you know the business is dynamic. What we saw right now in the market in the past couple of years that has been a rub crazy time you know from covid to logistical issues import export you know uh ocean freight rates going to i don't know almost like the empire state building type of a height you know the crazy stuff uh on to a war ukraine russia that impact everybody the strikes in china now again what's happening in china with covid with with the closures over there uh, now the market downturn you know so many things are happening you need a team by your side that can be nimble, that can adjust, that can be, um, that can understand and can reinvent themselves. I can tell you one mistake that I've done in the past is hiring people that were not like that. Um, but it's not an easy way to find uh, what are the right people. You just need to let uh, let it be. Um, and then as soon as you start finding that, uh, you know, people don't work out, you need to... You need to move on and to gently uh, shake hands, say goodbye, good luck, wish all the best, and, and set apart to different ways. So that was one mistake. Sometimes I prolonged um, those things longer than I should. So that was one one mistake. Second mistake, I would like to say that um, 
when I first started uh, this business, I was going after specific markets, specific type of customer audiences, not realizing that I was not ready for them. But you think you are, but they're really looking for something else. And so identifying who really you want to go after, uh, that's super important. And I think I've learned it over the time. Uh, I think now, obviously, we're doing a much, much better job of that. But at the beginning, I had to pivot a couple times until I found the, the golden road, let's put it this way. Makes sense. I think everyone falls in that trap sometimes when they first start. Uh, yeah. Not doing enough research to figure out who their ideal customer is. And you learn it over time, but it's a painful lesson until you do figure it out. So I yeah. have a question for you regarding not being nimble. So uh, what did you learn from that mistake? Did you learn to ask different questions when you're interviewing these manufacturers if you want to work with them? Meaning, how nimble are you? What if this happens? How would you handle it? So did you change your questioning before you got into relationships? Is that what you learned from that experience? No, it was more about the people, like the my, my own employees, my own team members. It's oh, your own team members. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure it was a manufacturer issue or was it an employee? No, it was more internal, more internal to, to me, I will say. But, I see. Um, but I'll tell you what, what we've learned. I mean, what we've done with the suppliers, with the factories that we work with, um, it was an iteration, right? When you first start... Um, collecting products or, or working with products with um, with the manufacturers. Um, sometimes you just want to get the, the business started, right? So you try to cut some few corners. You don't ask for all the details. You don't want to be, in quotes, difficult, right? So whatever they gave you, just for the sake of doing business and building up your reputation, you take it. And you try to work with that, right? But the goal is to eventually set up the standard in such a way that you actually get what you really really need in order to be in order to meet the market needs right and not to compromise on things so it's not something that you know necessarily a mistake that was done it just was the evolution of our relationship with the suppliers out there and saying okay we need those um, data points about your products for us to be able to market to the industry confidently. And so that was just the evolution of, of working with them. And we're still, you know, going through this evolution. It's constantly evolving. Uh, we're, get, we're getting feedback. We're collecting feedback from um, the factories that we work with all the time. And we try to uh, adjust to make sure that the event, at the end of the day, like we're trying to make the buying experience very um, seamless to our customers. We wanted to do the same thing for the factories. We want to make sure that for them to be able to sell products in the market here in the state, it's very easy for them. We don't want to make it complicated. So it's again, it's all very iterative and um, we learn from that all the time. I don't I would think with shipping being so complicated because all the factories you mentioned earlier with the war in Ukraine and the market and so on and so forth and all the things that were happening in the blast year that I had to deal with with my own product as well. You know, the fluctuation in shipping was all over the place. How do you work that out when it comes to a price for a customer? You quote them in November, and all of a sudden, by the second week in November, the price is double or triple because shipping's gone up so much. And I assume, you know, being nimble is part of it, making sure you're dealing with a manufacturer that can stick with the quote or let people know that price is guaranteed. It's locked in for a week or two days or three days because it's so volatile. 
how did you handle things like that when it came to shipping variations? So for us, it was important to guide the factories on what really they need to import over, right? Not to waste like um, money on trying to import products that may not be in demand or that the price point to begin with that the factory was able to meet is just not attractive or may not work out, right? So we're, we're also looking into where the product is being manufactured at as well as the shipping costs from that, from that place into the U.S., right? the ocean freight cost or the air freight uh, cost for that purchase. So it was just about the way that we addressed that was more about just collecting the data from the market, from our retail partners, from what we had with uh, our customer base, understanding the demands, what type of products are being demanded and where geographically within the States. So when we do work with the factories, we can guide them through where they need to import it to, whether that's East Coast, West Coast, you know, Nexus, Chicago, whatever it is, right? So to have the most effective route um, for the right audience. So that's that's one layer um, that we added. The second layer that we added is um, recommending uh, different factories in different places in the world on what product they should really be focusing on. Again, all part of the um, derivative of, of the ocean freight cost that um, were very critical during the COVID time. Um, so again, if I'll give an example, let's say we had a desk um, to produce and that desk for some reason was in a high demand in, um, in California and did not have a high demand anywhere else. If somehow the, the manufacturing of it was uh, cheaper while not sacrificing quality, but was cheaper in, in Latin America, we will recommend that more to the Latin America factories uh, in opposed to, let's say, the European ones. Right? For them, the offer will be much more expensive and they just cannot compete. So for them, we, we served different type of products that we recommended them to go ahead and, and um, try to produce. So it's again, it's about data. It's all about data we collect and, uh, and data and communication. Let's put it this way. And do, and do you warehouse in the furniture or everything's ordered one piece at a time and then shipped? So we provide warehousing um, services to the factories, like uh, all the goods is being received. Uh, the factories are shipping their merchandise over to our uh, warehouses. We work on consignment basis for them. I see. We have all the merchandise being stored. Now, when we go, do get an order from one of our customers, we then fulfill it, and then we pay the factory. I see. So that obviously makes it a little easier when it comes to, you know, the shifting of of uh, freight issues and prices going up. At least if it's in your if it's in your warehouse, at least. Yeah, I tell you to the customer. You can, you can stand behind the pricing versus like, okay, if I order it now, it's this price. If I order mm -hmm. in two weeks, the price can go up. Yeah, so they, so so the, the the beauty or or one of the advantage of working with with home roots on the buying to buy from home roots is that the the pricing does not fluctuate that that often, right? Because it's not like an it's not like you buy directly from an overseas um, factory that you know they don't know the ocean freight at that time and the ocean freight tends to change every other week. They don't know what might be the ocean freight that cost. That sometimes the material cost changes. They may come. You may order something today, and then it will come and order again in three, four weeks, and the price is different. The beauty, the beauty with us is that you know the prices. It usually more tends to be more static, 
so there's no surprises. Uh, so that's one major advantage of really buying from Walmart. But the second advantage overall is the fact you don't really need to deal with the factories overseas. We're bringing the, we're bringing the factories here. Right? And you can imagine that as we bring more and more factories, as our company grows with our capabilities, as our community supports us, right? And we can bring more and more factories here. We can bring more and more products even cheaper because our logistical capabilities are becoming much more... Um, um, advanced, right in 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 the market. So it's it's the economy of scale. So the more support that we get from our customers, the the more affordable prices we can be out there in the market. The more uh, predictable pricing and stable pricing that we can offer our customers. And then at the end of the day, we save them the hassle dealing with a foreign country, don't understand necessarily the culture, the time zone not always the same um you're not really sure what you're gonna get at times right you need to have inspectors and trust me i work with inspectors many times inspector companies qc companies overseas um it's not a bulletproof right um so we're we're just adding all those layers even domestically before things are getting shipped out um to really minimize all the unexpected uh things that nobody really wants to uh, to see when they receive their merchandise makes sense and how many warehouses do you have across the U.S.? Almost 30. Wow. Yeah. Spread across. Wow, that's a lot of warehouses. Yes. A lot of warehouses, yes. But obviously, having all those warehouses allows you to deliver in a much shorter period of time and keep the cost down for shipping because they don't have to go very far. Exactly. So it's it's the cost of really it, it, again going back to the data, right? What gets import imports to where the geographically in the state that has the most amount of demand? So when the customer from that area wants to order it, our goal eventually is to get us to something similar to what Amazon has done uh, with their Prime, right? That we want to be able to deliver the goods within a day or two. At most, this is really our objective, and in you know, putting in place all those warehouses with the merchandise in them. This is one way uh, in getting there. Um, just those are very bulky products at times. Some of them are very bulky. So you need trucks, you need this and those things. You know, if you go coast, coast to coast or long distances, this can cost a lot of money. So we want prime-like delivery, quick and cheap. What is the average size of your warehouses? Are you talking tens of thousands of square feet, or what have you found has been the most effective across the country? And I guess it does vary too, I assume, from location to location based on how big the, the territory tends to be or how many trucks you need for that location. Yeah, so it's, it's evolution. Usually we start when we go into a new region, um, obviously we start smaller warehouses, so that can be even just a couple tens of thousands of square feet. Uh, it started, then we move on. Do we have a few that are 100,000, 150, 200,000 square feet? Um, different sizes. It depends. Sometimes we have different warehouses um, in very close by geographical area just because we would like to distribute um, sometimes capacity across uh, warehouses with different docks and different things. Again, different needs. Right. There's a lot of uh, thought process that goes around that, but anywhere from a couple thousand, tens of thousands of square feet all the way up to 200 to almost 250,000 square feet each right now. Wow. 
But definitely have to get into commercial real estate when you have that kind of uh, warehousing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things going on there. I can tell you that. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah, and to go back to your, your original uh, mistake you made, I just want you to clarify that a little bit from what you learned. You mentioned earlier one of the mistakes you made was finding the, the right customer, the specific customer looking for your services and figure out who to go after. So what did you learn from that? How, how did you determine the best way to find your ideal customer? Which I think is a million dollar question. I think it's the silver bullet that every company tries to figure out where are all my customers and how do I find them as inexpensively as possible? So Gil, how did you find your ideal customer for your products? So the way eventually that we, we went about um, really growing this business is looking at our core competence, right? As a, as a team, let's put it this way, as a team, right? Our, our own team, what are we really good at, okay? And we looked at, okay, those are the things that we're really, really good at that we feel confident about us being able to service our customers in that way. Let's try to go after that customer base that share the same values, that share the same expertise, that we can speak in their language and they really and we can really satisfy their needs, right? So it was more about what is there, I mean, first of all, are we familiar with this market within house to a certain extent? We're we familiar with that customer segment. And second, do we feel that we have something to offer them that touches one of their pain points or one of their needs or anything that we can do for them? Right. And of course, you know, initially you think you're um, you uh, you try different things, um, you try different audiences, you try different segments. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, even within the industry with your competence, uh, core competence, some customers will tell you yay, some customers will tell you nay. Uh, but if you feel that you have a very compelling offer, um, you just need, need to keep on digging, keep on pushing forward, the customers, you need you need one to start to get you started, right? You need one. Then from that one, you can expand. Uh, and if you know what you're talking about, this is the right audience. You can get that one, for sure. What have you found was the most effective means of advertising? So business to business is very different than business to consumer. Right, uh, the advertising there is very much different. Um, so the initially the way the way we went about it, so the way we we actually grew our business initially was that we teamed up with different e-commerce companies, and then we leveraged their uh, advertising in the market to uh, promote our products. Okay, so we work with them on some co-op. Uh, agreement and basically leveraging our retailers' capabilities to advertise our products and services out to the market. Right? That's what one way that we went about it first. After that, we went more into um, retargeting through social media um, that really addresses businesses. Right? So this is really the second, the second phase of it. Um, we found it to be very, very uh, effective for us. Um, just to be more specific, uh, you know, I know that right now there's a lot of discussions about it, but so social media works tends to work very good that we can segment things by businesses. Uh, on the other hand, 
advertising on Google or advertising on other um, ad platforms like Google AdWords. In the B2B space, um, I will not, you know, not to piss anybody off, but I will not recommend. Right. It's a complex yeah, not not in that. But listen, if you if you're if you're selling your services at the end of the day to the, to the consumer, what's important is, what? and again, it's a lot of consumer business. But customers want to be able to read reviews about you. The consumers, right? They want to read reviews about you. So you need to build up yourself on Google Business. You may want to do that. Uh, tends to work very well. So request feedback from your customers. Again, consumers will provide you with the feedback. Businesses, sometimes it's different. Sometimes businesses don't want the other competition to know. So the, it works very different, right? But uh, if you're dealing with, if you're selling service or you're selling some type of um, product to a consumer, build up your, your reputation in Google business, build up your reputation in different advertising platforms, whether that's social media or search engines um, or directories of some kind. The, the reviews about you are super important. And then I'll tell one more thing because I've, I've, I've seen it in this industry and I've seen it in many others. What's super important is that when you advertise your, your yourself and what you're selling and what you're trying to sell and you have a phone number, make sure that somebody answers the phone. Okay. It's so obvious, but so important. Yeah, it looks obvious, right? You advertise the phone, and of course, you know, I'm. I can't tell you how many times uh, I've seen businesses, even for me as a consumer, right, looking for someone to help me out on some few things. I call numbers, nobody. I leave a voicemail. People come back to me two two days later. You lost me by then. Right. Well, no one checks voicemails. That's another problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so I don't know, work on that. If you need some answering machine, there's different services that can help you that list. People just want to speak to someone, right? Just to know that, hey, this is a breathing, living machine. So guess what? There are services that can answer the phone on your behalf and get your voicemails and then if need be, text you that somebody's looking for you. Something, even if it's off hours or if you're in a different project right now doing something and you don't have time to receive new leads, you just... People still want to get someone on the phone. So if you don't have the manpower, if you don't have the secretaries uh, in the office or someone to do it, there are services out there that um, can get the phones for you, record whatever the messages are, and let you get back to those customers when you're most uh, uh, in your most convenient time. Right. Makes sense. And people just want customer service, whether it's B2B or B2C. They just want to be heard. They want to be responded to. They want to be taken care of because they're calling with a problem. We want you to solve it as quickly as possible. Otherwise, we'll move on to someone else that can solve the problem. Yeah. Saying it, that's a great lesson learned. Yeah, exactly. People don't want uh, to win. Yeah, share with me, Gil, uh, a success story. Tell me a situation that a business owner was really struggling to find the right furniture. They used you and are super happy. And maybe it's someone that's even on your website because they had such a great experience with you. And then we'll wrap up with your website again, your social media, your email, your phone number as well. Sure. So I'll give um, I'll give an example about one of our retailers that actually has a, a website and they're selling furniture on their website. Um, they really struggled with their existing um, suppliers, right? Uh, especially during the pandemic, right? They struggled with them um, mainly because of uh, product availability, 
uh, but also with the way that the products were presented to them, right? Uh, for them to be able to offer it to the customer. So one of our success stories were actually they came to know about us. And I can tell you that we were able to completely turn over their um, their sales, right? Before before they came out uh, to us, before they 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 almost shut down their doors, right? And now after us, they've gone grown since we started with them about a year and a half ago. They grew three hundred percent. Wow! Um, and just because of our assortment, our products, our availability, the fact that it's more reliable logistically. Uh, because of our our partner in the space, so there's no less of situations of in stock, out of stock, in stock, out of stock all the time. Those uh, ping pongs uh, were really, really um, almost eliminated, almost eliminated, I will say. And then the assortment, the price points, and the service at the end of the day, right? They totally turn our business around. Um, I can say that this is one example, but we have many others in a very, very similar situation. I can tell you during COVID time, we saved many uh small mom and pop stores from going bankrupt especially yeah it's all about inventory people want to buy furniture now they don't want to wait a month three months six months or it's all in stock and it's not in stock or you told them to their house it doesn't end up showing up because it's actually not in stock so i can't imagine i mean we shopped for furniture april of last year and i think we were able to take on one uh couch but the chair was back ordered and, and another chair came like two weeks later uh, and we were lucky because a lot of furniture stores we went to had nothing in stock. Like, oh, we have things in the showroom. You can have what's on display, but that's, nothing else is available. I'm like, that's just such a strange feeling to go into a furniture store that's, you know, 10,000, 20,000 square feet and nothing's available for six months. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That, that was the frustration, right? And you can imagine if you, you, if you own a store, right? if you own that store, right? And you need to service your customers in your area, but when they come to you, you have nothing, nothing to show them, and you're really at the mercies of your supply chain. You really, <laughs> how will I say it? Good luck to that store owner. Sure. Right? Um, and that's how they feel not being able to service the customers and having money walk out the door. Yeah, I, I, many of them closed the doors, obviously. Many of them went bankrupt. But uh, the ones that we were able to uh, get in touch with and, and do business with, we gave them, and relatively, we were still young. I mean, right now, um, obviously, our capabilities are much, much uh, more um, elevated than, than what it was two years ago, three years ago. But I will say that we saved a lot of businesses. We gave them the inventory that they needed. We gave them the replacement, the assortments, the price point. The easy delivery, you know, everything was onshore. You didn't, you didn't need, you did not need to wait for like six months or nine months for things to wait uh, to get uh, produced and delivered. All that made a lot of a difference to our customers, and we just we we literally saved their businesses. That's awesome. It's gonna make you feel good too. That's the best yes. part. No, no, you, you you never think about it, right? But you 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 out there to uh, enable the enable factories to get closer to their. Uh, customer base here in the States and you never think on the side that you're going to change the lives of many people because, uh, you know, we're, we're not, we're not in the medical field, right? I'm not finding the cure to some disease and I'm not uh, solving world client issues and other things. So you think about, okay, the end of the day, it's a, it's a platform to buy and sell and buy, right? But it made so much impact in so many people's lives. And I can't think about if we were not around, you know, 
you would have had um, dozens more families that I can't think of where where they would be. So Correct. it really makes me uh, feel good and the rest of our teams and it keeps us uh, focused on our mission to make sure that we connect. We connect uh, the dots between uh, across the entire supply chain to make it easy to buy, easy to sell, and just much more affordable. And you know what? Our, our motto is make the buying experience, make make the B2B buying experience similar to B2C. That's what we're looking for. Makes sense. Well, I can yeah. only tell you that there's lots of multi-generation furniture stores out there that are no longer in business because they didn't know about you. And I guarantee anyone listening to this recording right now, uh, which is they knew about you last year, year before. Uh, maybe you'll inspire them to reopen again. Uh, but it's, it's great the ones you're able to save. And I hope everyone listening now uh, can utilize your services and uh, get great quality furniture at a reasonable price for their business, as well as resell. Uh, if that's if you're in the furniture business and you're listening, then you have a new supplier option as well. So that yes. leads me to my my last question, Gil, which is how do we find you? I mentioned earlier it's homeroots.co. That's H-O-M-E-R-O-O-T-S.co is the website. Correct. Would you to share anything additional? Social media handles, any emails, phone numbers, anything any other way people can get a hold of you and start shopping with Homeroots starting today. So if anybody wants to uh, find me, obviously, on uh, on LinkedIn, okay, they can easily go on LinkedIn and then uh, forward slash IN forward slash my name, which is Gil Bar dash Lev. That's one way at least to get a hold of me. Uh, if somebody's looking for us in social media, they can find us on whether that's on Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever. Just search for the words home roots and they can find us there. Um if they're interested in getting emails, I mean, obviously we don't just email just like that, but they need to um, head themselves up and register as a customer. And then we'll let them know of an ongoing promotions that we have, which is almost every month we have promotions. Sometimes we have even deeper promotions on the holidays. Uh, a lot of things are happening. They just need to tap in and subscribe to whatever type of communications that they're interested in receiving from us. And we will send them um, their way. Um I tell you what, one more thing because it's it's very uh, um, it's very important. You know, we talk about um, stores and uh, companies that could have been in business. Listen, this this industry of furniture is um, very antiquated, right? And I can tell you that even some of the tech players in this industry are not really that tech. <laughs> um, I do encourage. Um, retail owner you know store owners retail any, any business out there that just to open their eyes look around really really um look at how the market is changing new generation coming along you know our generation came to know about the cell phones the mobiles you know the thing the next generation this is all that they know right they like things instant instantaneously they like to get things quickly. They like to see them. They like to re read reviews. They like to move fast. Right? They don't want to wait on or spend time on the calls, asking questions. That not that generation. Even our generation, I can tell you, I don't have a lot of time to, to call them. So I'm really encouraging the, the store owners to think in that way, to adjust themselves um, to the new uh, new world, the new market, thinking and and. 
you know, we can definitely help them uh, on that front. But again, it doesn't have to be just a store owner, any business of any kind who has any need, more than happy to support them. Um, I'm sure that their experience that they will feel is second to them. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and thanks for your clarity and your information and your expertise and the advice. All were, were priceless and I really appreciate you taking the time to share. And for all of you listening, thank you for listening. Again, the shop with Gil is homeroots.co. Gil, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, David, it's my pleasure. And I wish everybody a good evening and uh, have a happy new year for the rest of you guys. Yes, sir. And you've listened to another episode of the Perky Cal Radio Show. Thanks for tuning in. What is the Perky Collar? It is a collar support system for dress shirts. That's right. Over 18,000 of these amazing devices have been sold globally. How does it work? Lift the collar, add the Perky Collar with the long tapered ends on top, lower your collar on top, adjust to make sure it's even around the collar, and that's it. You've now transformed your droopy, saggy dress shirt collar to a brand new looking dress shirt ready to tackle Sweaters, jackets, blazers, and the collar still stays nice and tall. How do you find it? The website is perkyllc.com. That's spelled P as in Paul, E as in Elephant, R as in Robert, K as in Kangaroo, Y as in Yo-Yo, LLC, LarryLarryCharlie.com. That's perkyllc.com. Get yours today, or if you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, visiting or live here, feel free to come by South Park Mall's kiosk located between Francesca's and Toomey. Best entrance is Maggiano's and Cheesecake Factory. See you soon. Look your best. Have a great day. Perky LLC is a clothing innovation company. We solve clothing-related problems such as a droopy, saggy dress shirt collar, the pocket square that doesn't seem to sit still properly, it unfolds, it falls down, the shirt that keeps coming untucked, collar stays that keep curling on you, and more and more issues with your belt, cracking, splitting, holeless belts are the solution. You can adjust them by a quarter inch instead of having to go up an inch or down an inch. What about that lapel you want to use as an accent color to match a dress or as a color accent to your wardrobe? This and many other fun fashion accessories are available at perkyllc.com. Beyond innovation, we also have fashion accessories. Bow ties, you name it, from feather to blingy to wooden, even wooden ones that move, even wooden ones that showcase the skyline of cities all across the country. Check out perkyllc.com for all these great fashion accessories and innovative solutions. Are you ready to publish your own book? Do you have a story to tell? Does the world need to hear your story? Now is your chance. Go to https colon forward slash go go dot bestsellingbook.com forward slash perky collar radio show. That's right. It's as simple as that. They'll walk you through every step needed to publish your own book. And watch out. Be ready to be an Amazon bestseller, maybe a Wall Street Journal bestseller, or maybe even New York Times bestseller. It all starts with a single step and having the right team around you. Again, go to https colon forward slash go, go dot bestsellingbook.com 
forward slash perky collar radio show. Look forward to seeing your amazing results.